Welcome to this week's message. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Chris Dirksen, the lead pastor here at Southland Church. For more information about this message and other resources, visit myselfland.com. Well, I'm going to preach here out of Luke chapter 1. And, uh, you know, every year if you're, if you're a preacher, then uh, it's your joy to get to preach the Christmas story every single year. And it's your stress in the lead-up to that joy to figure out what new can be said out of this story this year. Um, but it's amazing. God's Word is so amazing. You just keep pulling stuff out of it and pulling stuff out of it and pulling stuff out of it. I had an interesting experience with this message. Normally with my messages, I have, I, I know some preachers, they are, they're, they're planned in advance. They have series planned months in advance and they have all the the messages in that series plan in advance so they can get up and tell you at the beginning of a series, this is a six-week series, and they'll just tell you that. And I can, we can never do that here at Southland. And we just give you kind of open-ended, we're going to do this until we're done kind of things. Um, but I'm week to week, and that's more how we operate here, is uh, I'm praying like crazy early Thursday morning, and I'm like, Lord, uh, there's got to be something in your work again for this weekend. And, uh, but I had an interesting experience last week um, before I even was beginning even to think of what this week's message would be, I had uh, this phrase, encourage each other, three words. And, that I, and I just had this thought, and this never happens to me, but I just encourage each other that somehow that was supposed to be part of this message. So I, I wrote it down. I, I opened up a file for this week's message before I was even thinking about it. I just put those three words down there in red letters at the top so I wouldn't miss it uh, on a blank page. But, and, uh, and then I went about you know, last week's message, went through lots of the stuff I do on Tuesdays and Wednesdays here with the staff and all the, all the other work that needs to be done here. And Thursday morning I get up and I look at this, encourage each other, and I'm, I'm just not feeling it. So I go to Luke chapter 1, and I'm looking around, and I'm praying, and I finally settled on something that I wanted to preach on from Luke chapter 1, and, and then proceeded to do a couple hours of reading and research and getting ready for this, and I uh, have a really good message, by the way, but it'll have to wait till next year, Christmas. Um, but uh, <laughs> after that, I'm like, well, because I wanted to preach on Mary's song, the, the Magnificat, and I'll read it at the very end of this message, but it won't be the point of this message, but I... I I want to preach on that, and I thought, well, where am I going to start this message? Well, I'm going to start in verse 26, and I, so I start in verse 26, and lo and behold, as I read through there, I come to, and you'll see this in just a moment, greetings, O favored one, with Mary, and suddenly, this thing just starts to come, and I had to put all that research to the side, and this whole message kind of developed mostly out of uh, starting in verse 26, and we'll read it now, and then, uh, and then we'll get into this, and then it turned into the whole encourage each other thing, and so I really pray that the Holy Spirit, I think he has a message for you guys this morning, he certainly has had it for me, and it's been uh, very encouraging to me, but uh, we'll start here, chapter 1, verse 26, in the sixth month, okay, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Uh, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. I should say, actually, verse 28 is the main one, not verse 26. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, okay? The Lord is with you. And uh, that line just stopped me, and you think, oh, well, why would that line stop you? That's normally a line we just move on then into the whole thing, and, and he prophesies about Jesus, the, the Messiah, and all sort of stuff. But I, I just stopped there as I was reading this, and uh, I thought to myself, what a strange, isn't that a bit of a strange greeting for an angel? And this is the angel Gabriel. This is like a main angel, okay? This is a higher up. And he's speaking to a teenaged girl, okay? Many commentators uh, agree just because of how the culture worked with betrothal. There was arranged marriages. You know, parents 
while their daughters were still, were still very young, would be trying to arrange a marriage to a, to a good man who could take care of her. And then, and then that betrothal could last for quite a long time until the girl would be old enough to get married. But the whole time, she would be engaged to be married, but she'd be living at home with her parents because she wasn't old enough to get married or whatever. And so... Uh, and so Mary's engaged uh, to be married, but she's a teenager. You know, many commentators agree she was somewhere maybe 13 to 16, very young, okay? And I don't know how many of you when, you, when you see a teenager, before you start talking to them, do you greet them with honor, greetings, O favored one, okay? Most of us don't do that. And, and this angel, I mean, this is a higher-up angel. This is Gabriel himself. He could just launch right into whatever the message he has for Mary. Mary, she's a teenage girl, but he starts out with this greetings, oh favored one. And he shows tremendous honor uh, to Mary. You know, it reminded me, it was actually interesting. And I was actually just during the worship now, I was looking up a couple other passages in scripture. It's interesting to me uh, how in scripture, this is actually quite a common thing, surprisingly, but when God speaks to individuals or when he sends an angel to speak to individuals, it's surprising how often, and I'm not just talking about when he speaks to a prophet, to a nation or something, but when he comes and he speaks to an individual, it's amazing to me how often uh, he speaks with respect, which almost seems uh, like not a good thing to say. The God of the universe speaking to people with respect, it almost seems disrespectful to him. And yet we see it. Another, another story immediately came to my mind, uh, which I've talked about before in years past, but it was just... Um, it just was too much a good parallel with this, and I'll just go there for just briefly. Judges chapter 6, when the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon, right? Gideon is, is uh, the guy who takes on the Midianites, right? That famous story. And in Judges chapter 6, uh, it says, The angel of the Lord, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Oprah, which belonged to Joash the uh, Abizrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. So, so here's Gideon. The Midianites are this big, uh, you know, nation, and they're oppressing the Israelites, and their army is there. They're taking all their stuff, and, and, and uh, the angel of the Lord now finds Gideon, and Gideon's hiding in a wine press, okay? He's hiding there. And now I want you to see, though, how the angel of the Lord... So remember that, you know, Gabriel comes to Mary, a teenage girl, and he doesn't just launch into his message. He starts his message with, greetings, O favored one. This, he gives her honor. But I want you now to notice how the angel of the Lord, he finds Gideon... Hiding in a wine press, I want you to notice how he addresses him. He says this, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Why on earth would he, would he say that to Gideon? There's, there's no, Gideon's not leading some kind of underground resistance. He's not planning the overthrow of the Midianites. He's not doing anything that's brave. And yet when the angel of the Lord sees him, he calls something out of him. He speaks into Gideon what he's, what he's going to make him, what he sees that nobody else can see. He sees him, he says, uh, greetings, mighty man of valor. And it's, it's just interesting to me that the Lord himself, the creator of the universe, and he, when he sends his angels even to speak to these people, whether it be a teenage girl or a coward in a wine press, he speaks with an honor, with, uh, with, uh, with, a faith, with, a, with a hope that we don't generally speak with when we speak to each other, and it almost just boggles my mind to think that the God of the universe would speak things like that to us. Doesn't that just kind of, I mean, he's the one deserving of our respect, but when he speaks to these, we see him speaking to these human beings, and he's the one using honor and calling things out of people that we don't even see. And I just think again of, you know, Isaiah says that God's ways are not like our ways, and isn't that true? And we see that even here in the way he talks to people. When we talk to people so often, we see the negative. Isn't that true? We see what's down. 
we see what's, what's not right. We see what's mistaken. If we would have talked to Gideon, we would not have called him a mighty man of valor. When we talk to a Mary, we don't see this, you know, this oh, oh, honored one, oh, favored one. We don't see that. We speak something different. But when God sees a person, he speaks this hope and honor and faith. It's amazing. Even stuff that, that you can't see yet. His words always have hope. And that reminds me of another passage. We're going to come back to, to Mary yet, but... I just felt like we need to go down this trail just a little bit. His ways are not like our ways. And the way he speaks to us is not like the way we think of ourselves or the way we speak to others. But it reminds me of Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Paul is in another discussion about Abraham and faith. But in this discussion about Abraham and faith, he says something really interesting about the kind of God God is that totally ties to this whole Gideon and Mary thing. And he says this about God, as, as it is written, we'll just read the whole verse here, I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed. Now look at, Paul's going to say something interesting about God, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Isn't that amazing about God? This is the God we serve. He calls into existence the things that do not yet exist. So God looks at a person and he doesn't see a hopeless case. He doesn't see a worthless person. He doesn't see a failure. He doesn't see the different things that we see in ourselves and that we see in others when we speak to them. He sees stuff there that doesn't exist yet. So he looks at a Gideon hiding and he says, mighty man of valor, and he calls it out of him. He sees a teenage girl and he says, greetings, O favored one, and he calls it out of her. She's going to be the mother of God. She has no idea she could ever do something like that, but he calls it out, greetings, O favored one. He calls into existence things that do not yet exist. And his words to us and the people always filled with hope. And, and of course, it doesn't mean that God never rebukes us or corrects us. When I say that his words always have hope when he, when he speaks to us, I don't mean he never rebukes or corrects us. He most certainly does. But you know what's amazing about God? Even when he rebukes and corrects, it's different than the way we rebuke and correct each other. When we rebuke and correct each other, isn't it true that we just, we often will just tear people down? Look at all the things you're doing wrong. But when Jesus comes, isn't it true? If those of you who've ever experienced rebuke from him, isn't it true? Like he'll come and he'll correct you. And at the end of it though, you have hope because he, he divides in there between what you're doing that he doesn't like and who you are. And he calls out of you something different and says, this isn't who you are. Something we often fail to do when we talk to each other. So even when he rebukes and corrects, and when he deals with our sin, he calls this, these things out. And, and before we get back to Mary's story, I, it just makes me want to, again, and I've done this before in messages, but I, I'll keep doing it because it's something I think we have to really bring home is the difference, again, between guilt and condemnation. This is so important when we understand how God speaks because it just is going to open us up to hearing him even when he is convicting us of sin to know the difference between his voice and the voice of condemnation. But there's a huge difference between guilt and condemnation. There's a huge difference between guilt and condemnation. Guilt is feeling bad for something you've done. And that's a good thing. You've done something bad. You've lost your temper. You shouted, you know, at someone at work or one of the kids or whatever it is. Now, you feel guilty about that. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have treated them that way. So you go back now and you say sorry and you make restitution. You make things right. You confess it to God. You confess to people. You make things right. That's guilt. I did something, something bad. Now I, I, make it, I make it right. And I feel bad for what I did. Condemnation is feeling like you are bad. And there's just a huge, 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 huge difference between those things. Condemnation makes you feel help, hopeless. 
It makes you feel helpless. In fact, one of the things I've noticed in my life is, and, and this is, is, I think it's just so true, people who struggle with condemnation often struggle to say sorry. And I'll tell you why. But people who have guilt will say sorry. I'll tell you why. The difference is saying sorry requires some hope. Isn't it true? Because to say sorry means I don't like what I did, and in the future, I don't want to, I have hope that I am not this person. Like, I have hope that in the future, I'm going to do things differently than I did it here, and so I say sorry. If you have no hope, if you think this is just who I am, I'm always angry. I'm always this. I'm always that. I'm always lustful. I'm always this, or I'm always that. When you think you have no hope of changing, those kinds of people don't say sorry because they don't have hope that they can ever change it. And you kind of just withdraw and try to forget it and you hide in shame. Condemnation and guilt are two very different things. But to actually say sorry, to repent, to confess, actually requires hope. And when God speaks to you, even about things where he's correcting you, it's always with hope. This is what you did, but this is not who you are. And he divides in there and refuses to define us by our weaknesses. So he comes to a Gideon and he says, Greetings, mighty man of valor. And we go, what? And he calls it out of him. And that's one of the things I just love about God. But here's the thing that we need to apply to our lives today, and that is this. We need to hear God speaking that sort of life and identity into us. We need to hear that. Gideon needed to hear it. Mary needed to hear it. Before either of them could get an assignment from God, they first had to know that God saw something in them. Before God can say, you're going to be the mother of, of my son to Mary, he has to first speak into her favored one. Before he's going to have Gideon take on the entire Midianite army, he's going to tell him, this is who you are. You're not a coward. You're a mighty man of valor. This is the things that God speaks into us, and we desperately need to hear. It's not enough to just know in our heads, because a preacher told me growing up, or, or the, I know in the Bible that the Bible says for God to love the world, so I know in my head somewhere that God loves me. That's the starting point. We need to have this as the objective truth to guide us, to know that that is what we're supposed to know. But we need to know it more than just in our heads, God loves me. We need to have God speak that personally into us, the identity, who we are, how much he loves us, what he sees in us. We need him to speak that into our spirits. And, uh, and I know that because the Bible tells us that's what he wants to do. Romans chapter 8, 15, verses 15 to 17. Look what, the Holy Spirit, look what the Holy Spirit's job is in your life and my life, what he wants to do, what he loves to do. Look at this. Paul says, for those of us who have given our lives to Jesus, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. I mean, that's a great statement right there. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now look at this, what the Holy Spirit does. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, what? That we are children of God. Now, but I want you to notice here. It's not just objective truth. I know because somebody told me God loves me. No, 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 no. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit. What is he bearing witness? That we are children of God. The Holy Spirit wants to speak deep into your spirit profoundly in ways that you feel that are personal to you. He wants to speak into your spirit that you are a son of, of God, that you are a daughter of God, that you are part of his family. Now, those of you that come from, a, from good families, and that's not always true, and that's sad. In this broken world, not all of you grew up in a good family, but those of you who grew up in good families where your mom and dad loved you, and there were times where they told you, we love you, and they hugged you, and they made it personal to you. They, they affirmed you in very personal ways. How much more does God want to do that to you? His spirit 
bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. He wants to do that for you if you've given your life to Jesus. And notice when the spirit is whispering into your heart like that, um, if you can put up that next one there, it's the opposite. When the spirit is bearing witness in your spirit, when he's speaking into you and you are feeling God himself affirming you, telling you, you are my son, you are my daughter, this is who you are. I don't see a coward, I see a man of valor. I don't just see a teenage girl, I see a favored one. When he's speaking that into your life, that's the opposite of the spirit of slavery and fear. It's when, you, when he is speaking affirmation to your heart, it's gonna break chains off your life. It's gonna break chains off your life. Because again, condemnation is the thing that tells so many of us and paralyzes so many of us, we think will never change. And here's the thing, when you believe that, when you are hopeless and feeling condemned, it's true that you don't change much because condemnation paralyzes us. But when you open up your heart to receive affirmation from the Lord, from his spirit to your spirit, not just listening to me, because I said on a Sunday morning, but you get it in your own heart, not just in your head, and he speaks that affirmation into you. And he says, no, no, that's not who you are. You're not a bad mom. You're not a bad person. You're not this. You might have done some of that, and we're going to work on that, but that's not who you are. And then he says, and you think, well, I can never be a person of joy. I've got an anger problem. I can never be a person of patience because I'm impatient. He says, no, those aren't the things you are. My spirit is full of joy and love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, and that's your DNA because my spirit is in your spirit. And he begins to whisper into you who you are now. And until you can hear him affirming you personally like that, you'll never rise above. You really won't rise much above the level of what you believe. Like if you just think you're worthless, if you just think you're hopeless, you'll constantly cycle back into patterns that confirm what you think. And you'll give up and you'll want to give in. But when the Holy Spirit begins to affirm you, when he affirms a Mary, when he affirms a Gideon, it's not long after that, and they're rising way above what they ever thought they could do or that they could be, and that's huge. We need, we desperately need to hear affirmation from the Lord, his spirit and our spirit. Now, some of you might be sitting there and you're going, well, this is great and all, Chris. I, I love the idea of hearing affirmation from the Holy Spirit. I love that idea that, the, that we could hear affirmation from God into our hearts. But the truth of the matter is, I just don't hear it. And for some of you, you, I mean, you have your devotions, you've been at church for years and years, and you think to yourself, well, why? I mean, God wants to speak it to Mary. He wants to speak it to Gideon. He wants to speak it to other people in the scriptures, but he, and he wants to speak it to obviously other people here at this church and you, Chris, and all this sort of stuff, but he doesn't speak it to me. Why doesn't God speak affirmation to me? You might be wondering that right now, and that's a good question, Okay. So let's talk about why that maybe might be. And the first thing we have to get out of the way and the first thing we have to get straight is this. God is speaking affirmation to you. You might think God's not speaking affirmation to your life. But we know because Romans 8 says the spirit is bearing witness with your spirit. That's his job. That's what he wants to do. So let's get one thing straight. He is speaking and he does want to speak affirmation into your life. So the question isn't, does, is he speaking it into your life? The question is, why are you not hearing it? And why do some people not hear it? Not, why is God not doing it? He is doing it. He wants to do it. That's, that's Romans 8. That's objective truth from the Bible. So why do some of us not hear his affirmation? And of course, no doubt there are, there probably are many reasons and things are often complex when it comes to us human beings. But I want to give you one big reason why lots of people don't hear affirmation from the Father, from the Spirit, into their spirits, and it's one word, and that's unbelief. 
It's actually just unbelief. We're actually not open. We're actually, in many cases, we're not open to hearing affirmation from the Holy Spirit into our lives. I mean, if we're in our prayer times and we're spending time with the Lord, if a stray thought of affirmation even did come into our lives, a thought of, son, I'm proud of you for this, or son, I really love what you're doing here, or son, I see this in you, many of us would write it off, I must have made that up. Isn't it true? I mean, to hear anything really good from God, that must not be what he would say to me, because many of us think God doesn't do that kind of thing. He's big and holy and grand and sovereign, and yes, he is all of those things, and he's awesome, and we, we you know, fear the Lord and all this stuff is so important. But many of us think that God would never, he would never say something good like that to me. He would convict me of sin, but that he would tell me, I really like that about you. I'm really proud of you on that. He could, no, 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 no. He needs to convict me of sin. That's what we think. And so many of us, even if we did get a stray thought, a really complimentary thought or an encouraging thought in our prayer times, in our journals, would just simply think, I made that up. That was probably my sinful self speaking. And we think to ourselves, I don't, I don't know if God actually does that. Well, guess what? If you're one of those people, before you get too discouraged, I want you to recognize that you're in good company. I want you to look at how Mary responds to this greeting from the angel. And this is really neat. So verse 28, and he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now look at how Mary responds to this. But she was greatly troubled. Are you kidding me? Angel comes and says, greetings, favored one. That's nothing bad. You're tr- that's a good thing. Isn't that a good thing? That's a good thing. And it says she was greatly troubled, okay? Uh, I mean, uh, sure. Uh, I mean, if the angel had come and said, you know, greetings, O one who is just about to be destroyed by the Lord's wrath, I would be troubled about that, right? But he didn't say that. He, he said something nice. He said something really nice. Greetings, favored one. She's greatly troubled. Now, of course, no doubt, part of the reason she's troubled is there's a big angel standing in front of her. That will contribute probably to some troubling feelings, a little bit of anxiety and fear, no doubt. But, and that's what, when I've read this story in the past, I always just assumed the fear had all to do with the angel. And no doubt there was some of that. No doubt there was some of that. But when we look at the, the actual verse here, I, I went and looked back at it a couple times this week, and, and it, it specifically says why she feels troubled. And it doesn't mention the angel, though no doubt that has something to do with it. It says she was greatly troubled at the saying. Why on earth would you be troubled when an angel says something good to you? Okay? There's nothing bad there. That's, in fact, it's really good. You're honored. You're favored of the Lord. She's troubled at the saying. And then look what it says next. And she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Well, what's there to discern? Right? What's there to discern? He just said you're a favored one. Just accept it and go. But wait a minute. Actually, isn't it true that many of us have trouble accepting this sort of affirmation and honor from the Lord? She's troubled, and she's trying to discern what it means because she doesn't think he should be talking to her that way. I mean, I'm just a teenage girl. I'm a nobody. And then with that kind of fear is this sort of suspicion, what are you going to ask of me? Like, if you're going to compliment me, there must be something you're trying to take from me at the same time or something. She's greatly troubled because God shouldn't talk to me like this. He shouldn't be affirming me. You know, the fact of the matter is, many of us are troubled too. And we can't receive affirmation from the Lord, even though the Bible tells us the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, that he wants to speak that deep parental love and affirmation into us. And so verse 30, it says the angel had to repeat himself, right? And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with 
God. You know, at a certain point, we are going to have to learn, and I say that learn. We're actually going to have to make a choice to begin to accept affirmation from the Father in our lives. We're actually just going to have to learn to accept it. We're going to have to learn to accept, and there's this whole script. For many of us, we have this script in our minds, and it feels so true, it feels more true than the affirmation the Holy Spirit might whisper into our spirits. And so we overrule the affirmation we get in the Spirit, and instead we go with the old script that just says, you're worthless, you're sinful, you're all these things. And yes, it's true. God is holy. He died on the cross for our sins because without him we're just sinful wretches. It's absolutely true. But sometimes that theology gets taken to this unhealthy place and we just think the only thing God would ever speak to me is that I'm a sinful wretch and it's not true. He sees us as sons and daughters in Jesus. Amen? Amen. And I don't know about you, but when you have loved ones, isn't it true that when you love someone, you need to affirm them? Those of you who are, are married... How many of you know it's important that you regularly, not just on your wedding day, I mean, I remember hearing a guy once, I'm sure this was a joke, I hope it was a joke, but he said, I told her I loved her on a wedding day, and if it changes, I'll let her know, right? Like that. <laughs> I, I really hope that was a joke, right? But, okay? But actually, if you love someone, how many of you know if you're married and you want to have a good marriage, you need to regularly speak encouragement and good things and compliments and affirmation to your spouse. How many know that's true? Okay? And the rest of you are horribly failing in your marriages. <laughs> okay? How, that's, this is true. Now, how, let's just take it to a whole other level even. Those of you who are, who are parents with kids, how many of you know that your kids desperately, and whether, maybe you're here today and you don't have kids, but you could be a teacher of kids or whatever it is. How many of you know that, parent, that kids desperately need to hear affirmation from adults, especially their mom and their dad. Isn't that true? Like they desperately need to hear it. They need to hear encouragement from their dad regularly. They need to hear encouragement from their mom regularly. They need it. Now let me ask you something. Is not God our father? And if he's our father and we are his kids, is it not true that just like your kids desperately need affirmation from you, that we desperately need affirmation from him? And isn't it true that if he's a better father than any of us could ever be here on this earth, that if I want to give affirmation to my kids, that he a million times more than that wants to speak affirmation into your life? Yes. He does. And we need to make, we, at some point, we need to start making a choice to receive and seek for and accept affirmation from his spirit into, into our spirit. And that's what the Bible says. Well, I want to share a story with you and it's just a human story. It's from my family. And I, just because I think it's going to illustrate a truth. And we'll bring it back to what this means uh, from God and stuff. And, and I asked Charlie yesterday if I could share this story with his name. And, and he said yes. And if he would have said no, I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> I would have messed up on a whole chunk of this message. Because I'd already prepped it. But uh, we've been working on this. And it just, I think it illustrates this truth real well. And I think it's going to teach us something about God. And then we'll, we can bring this, we're going to bring, bring this message to a close. But... Um, you know, over the last while, it's probably been a year or two already, we've been working on this thing. Some of the stuff we're working through in our, in our parenting cell and stuff, LeDon and I, one of the things we've been growing in is, is, is this whole concept, like Jesus did with, you know, the angel of the Lord did with Gideon and the angel did with, with Mary, is, is calling things out, calling the good out uh, of our kids and out of the people we love. So, it, because it's, 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 it's fascinating how often, isn't it true, 
if you're a parent or teachers, anybody who has contact regularly with kids, how often much of what we speak to them is negative. It's all, you know, stop that. Quit that. Be quiet. Boys, pull your pants up in public. Please, just don't. <laughs> right? It's, it's lots of things like that. And, if, and of course, that's needed too, right? Yeah, I mean, when there's correction needed, we've got to tell them stop. It's not that we should never tell kids no. I know some in our culture this gets way out of whack. But it's interesting that for many parents, it seems like that's the only thing they ever, the only time they ever talk to their kids is when their kids are doing something wrong. But what if we flip that? I mean, yes, tell them when they're doing something wrong, but what if actually we started looking for chances to catch them doing things right? Because isn't that what Jesus does with us? And he calls out something there. Catch them doing something right and call it out of them. So we've been working at that, and uh, I don't know how good I am at it yet. Probably not very good yet, but I've been growing. And, uh, and then about, a, uh, I don't know if I'm, I'm not good with time, but maybe a month or two ago, a few weeks ago, I was in my devotions one day, and I, and I felt like the Lord gave me like a very direct uh, word. And while I was journaling, and he, he said, uh, I want you in this next season with your, with your family, I want you only to encourage, okay? Now again, this doesn't mean I, I don't, uh, I can't deal with misbehavior or things that are going wrong, but even when I do that, it was like he was saying very specifically, he said, even when you do that, you will do it and you will encourage them, you will call out something good. Even when, you, even when you have to discipline, you will call out something good, but you will only encourage. In this next season, you will only encourage. So there's been lots of failures, but I've been growing, and he's, it's, by the way, it's the most amazing thing. And some of you, you should actually just take this as an assignment from the Lord for you. It's actually a wonderful, wonderful assignment. But anyway, the story that comes to mind that I want to share with you that I had to ask for permission for was, there was one day, not long after I got this in my devotions, there was, uh, we had a day off, and, and uh, our, our kids were, were, were bickering and, and fighting. How many of you, your kids ever bicker and fight, okay? And again, the rest of you are lying. Your kids all bicker and fight unless they're too young, unless they're like six months young, you know, old or younger. Your kids bicker and fight, and we all did it when we were kids. So it's just human, right? So, but this day was just, it was more than usual, okay? And it was, I mean, we weren't even hardly past breakfast yet, and I was just feeling like I was <laughs> splitting them up. And finally, I, I'm going to brush my teeth after breakfast, and while I'm brushing my teeth, I hear uh, you know, kind of unearthly, animal-like yelling coming from the boys' room. And at this point now, isn't it true that when your kids yell, why is it that as parents, when our kids yell, the first thing we want to do is yell? Like, we haven't progressed much beyond them, have we, in some cases? They're yelling. The first thing I want to do is run in there and yell, Shh, quiet, stop it, quit fighting. Quit being angry at your brothers and sisters. And I'm, you know, veins popping on my forehead. Fortunately, I was brushing my teeth, which forced me to finish something before I ran over there. I'm brushing my teeth, I hear this yelling, and I'm like, oh, dear God, it's only the morning. And I uh, finished brushing my teeth, which was a good thing. And I'm walking down the hallway, and I'm, and I'm just saying to myself, because all I can hear is just only encourage, only encourage. So you're pushing down these, these urges that you have as a parent in the flesh. And I, and I get to the room, and, and Charlie's sitting on his bed, and he's, he's rigid with anger. You know, his practically vein popping out of his forehead. And he's like, I'm so frustrated with Boaz. He's so annoying. And uh, I was like, well, fair enough. That's a true, that's a true statement. Yes, okay. <laughs> So uh, I sit down beside him, and he's, he's just, he's so angry. And, uh, and then, you know, through the anger and the clenched fists, he's finally able to tell me what Boaz did. And I'm like, well, okay, yeah, I'm going to have to go deal with it. That is true. That would frustrate me too. And, and now I'm trying to think, now, what am I going to do? Because here's the thing. Often what you'll notice in your kids is, is when they get really angry and they do something like this where they have a fight or they yell, 
uh, when they start to come down to their anger, often they'll feel shame. They feel shame that they got so angry that they lost their temper, that they yelled, and whatever it is, that shame will come in. So I'm sitting here, and I'm going, okay, now I've got to go deal with this boss thing in just a moment. But in the meantime, I've got this word from the Lord that I've been working on, always encourage, only encourage, always encourage. And I'm going, what on earth can I encourage here? Like, love the animal like yelling, son. <laughs> so you're having these moments, parenting moments, right? And you're just calling out to the Lord, 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 please, please, you got to give me something. And I'm sitting there and sitting and sitting there. He's going to calm down. And all of a sudden, it just hits me like a brick. He didn't hit his brother. That's a huge success. That's actually amazing. I mean, considering what had been done, considering how this has played out in years past, considering what most children that age would have done, I'm going, he suddenly hit me. I said, Charlie, you never socked your brother. <laughs> and he looks at me and he's kind of stunned because at this point, you're not expecting your parent to be pumped. You come in the room, you've been yelling. <laughs> and I'm like, buddy, you never punch his lights out. I said, most kids in your, in your shoes, probably my, in fact, I'm calling myself down so I don't go out and do it right after this, but I said, most kids in your shoes would have punched his lights out. You didn't punch his lights out. I said, if I had a choice between you yelling or punching him, I'd take yelling every time. I said, you are growing. This is amazing self-control. And I just, and you could see, instead of shame coming out of his eyes, you could see hope coming out of his eyes. You're actually speaking identity. Right in that moment, you're telling him something. This is who you are. And it actually changes behavior way better than nagging. And it's amazing. So now you're sitting here and you're going, well, what does this have to do with God in this message? Well, it wasn't long after that. I was in my devotions this one day and I'm thanking God. And I'm thanking God. I'm saying, thank you. Uh, you're, you're changing me. Like I'm becoming a different parent. I'm, not, I'm far from perfect. I still mess up lots. But at least I'm, every once in a while I'm getting these successes. This is amazing. Thank you, Lord. And I was thanking God for that specific situation. I said, Lord, this was such a cool situation. I could speak hope in a chart. I could speak identity right in this passionate moment. It was awesome. And and, and then all of a sudden the Lord gave that little twist. And I love when he does that. And he made it about him. And isn't it true, I'm going to tell you this, what I'm about to tell you, and this is, a, this is actually a powerful truth, that oftentimes when we do things with others that represent, are representative of God, when we do things that this is how God acts, when I do them and experience them myself doing it for someone else, suddenly he opens up my spirit and I receive what he's like to me at a whole new level. Isn't that true? There's something about doing and experiencing that opens me up to spiritual truth. Me showing grace and faith and speaking identity into Charlie in that moment when it was difficult opened up my spirit suddenly to see God in a new way and how he treats me. And I'm in my journaling thanking God for this moment. And suddenly he says, and he just asks that little question. Sometimes he asks a question, what kind of a parent do you think I am? I said, well, you're a good parent. Well, that, 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 that moment you had there the other day, that was a success. Um, and that's a reflection of who I am. How do you think I parent you? And suddenly, it just dawned on me in a whole new light. If I can even have a success one out of a hundred times like that, God is a perfect parent. He's a better parent. He loves us a million times more than we could ever love our own kids. That's how he also treats us. Now, when we're in that moment and we're all clenched up, like Charlie was, with whether it be frustration or discouragement or we've just messed up again or whatever it is and we feel distant and we feel shameful and we feel like God's gonna, he's disappointed in us because we, we lost it again and we think, and because of that, we shut down. The spirit can't bear witness with our spirit because the script in our head is, I'm not good enough 
and God's mad at me, and I'm a disappointment, and I'm shameful, and all these messages are in our heads, and we're withdrawing from God. And really, if we would just get through the unbelief and we would open up our hearts to God, we would find him, just like I was able to do with Charlie in that moment, is calling out the good in us, just like he did with Gideon, just like he did with Mary, speaking that affirmation, and that's how he parents us. And you say, well, what about God's wrath and all that? Well, absolutely, it's true that God opposes the proud. For those who are stubbornly persisting in sin and refuse to listen to God and don't want to and want to do wrong and all that sort of stuff, yeah, there's a different way. The Bible's clear that he does oppose the proud. There's no question. But for those of us who are his sons and daughters, where it's not about being stubborn and just wanting to do wrong and all this sort of stuff, but we're just weak and we're imperfect. This is how he parents us. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and if children, then heirs. And he speaks into us our identity and he calls these things out of us. And it's amazing when we get that affirmation, it'll change your life, it'll break chains off your life. Well, the interesting thing is, and I'm just gonna move through a couple more verses here. After the affirmation, often when, when the Holy Spirit speaks that affirmation into your life, affirmation often comes with an assignment. It was true of Gideon, it was true of Mary, right? Angel Lord comes to Gideon and says, mighty man of valor. Well, now he's gonna give him an assignment to prove to him that he is what, what he was called. And he comes to this teenage girl, Mary, and he says, greetings, O favored one, and now let me give you an assignment to prove to you this is who you are. You're gonna be the mother of God. Often, affirmation from God comes with an assignment. Verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why do, does it often come, an assignment come with the affirmation? The reason is because affirmation inspires action. When you feel condemned, it paralyzes you. You feel hopeless. You feel like you can't do it. And you just, you don't even want to try. But when the Holy Spirit speaks life into your life and he says, this is who you are and this is who I see you. I see you as an encourager. I see you as a good person. I see you as a generous person. He speaks those things. It gives you hope. When the Holy Spirit speaks that to you, you want to do it. It's not just a word and you go, that's so neat, I'm this, and you just want to sit on the couch. When the Holy Spirit speaks identity into you, when he speaks affirmation into you, it gives you hope and it inspires action. I want to do this, I want to be this. And for that reason, oftentimes, God's affirmation will come with an assignment because he knows when you do what he's calling you that you are, it takes that truth and it just drives it deeper into you. And of course, some affirmations come with big assignments, you know, Mary being the mother of God, Gideon taking on the Midianites, but many affirmations just come with smaller assignments. The Holy Spirit in your devotions might say to you, I just love that you don't hold on to your stuff, that you're willing to give it to anyone in need. And then he might give you, and he, he might call you generous, and he might say, I'm so proud of you for that. That's an amazing aspect of how I made you. And then he might give you an assignment that day, someone you can be generous with, or he might call you an encourager, or he might tell you you have wisdom, or whatever it is, or he might call, and then he might give you an assignment that day, an idea, this is how you can carry that out, or this is how I see you, or he might say, I see you as a leader or a teacher, and it might change your career path. It might be smaller, it might be bigger. But he'll call out of you who he's made you to be and what he sees in you, and often that act will come with some kind of an assignment, whether small or big, and we get to experience what he's saying. And then finally, so affirmation often comes with an assignment, but it always inspires adoration. Verse 46, I'll just skip the end. So first, the angel comes to Mary and says, you're favored, and she has a hard time receiving it, so he says it again. Then he gives her an assignment to prove it to her. And at the end of all that, 
When this started, he gave her an affirmation and her heart was troubled. But by the time it finally comes home that this really is who she is, that she's favored of God, her heart spills over in worship. Verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. This is what, she just rejoices in him now. Her, her heart's not troubled anymore. When you, when the spirit begins to speak affirmation into your life, it, you, will, you will want to worship, whereas worship before is hard. And sometimes in life, worship is hard. The Bible tells us there's times we worship and we don't feel like it, absolutely. But when you receive affirmation from God from you, not just me, the pastor, telling you God loves you or you just knowing in the Bible that he loves you, but when his spirit speaks into you and he says, I'm proud of you for this and I love this about you and this is who you are and he sees identity, actually your heart worship is also going to come alive in you and you're going to want to give it back to him. I love you. It's amazing. And then she goes on, verse 48, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, speaking of herself, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She's praising him for what he has done for her personally. For he who is, done, who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Well, I want to finish. I want to just give you a little uh, Christmas challenge. And, and I don't, this isn't like homework uh, this is like, you know, if you don't want to write this down, this is fine. Maybe some of this will come back to you during the Christmas, uh, you know, this next week, during this Christmas season, and you might think to do a couple of these things, and I think uh, they'll be very helpful f for you. But here's just a couple ideas I had. How do we get our hearts open to hear affirmation like this from the, the Holy Spirit? The first one is a, is a devotional idea, and that is, is to ask and allow God to speak affirmation to your heart this week in your journaling and devotions. And uh, so you can actually ask God things like this, just like your kids need to hear affirmation from you. You and I need to hear affirmation from him. You can ask him, what's something good you see in me? What's something you're proud of when it comes to me? What's something you want to call out of me? Have a conversation with God about some of these things. You think, isn't that selfish for me to talk to God about that? No. Would you think it was selfish if your kid came to you and you wanted to affirm them and have a conversation about how much you love them? It's no more selfish when you go to God. He wants to talk to you about these things. Let the Holy Spirit begin to affirm you. Open up the doors of your heart to your affirmation from the Spirit. And the second thing, like I said before, and this is such a powerful truth, there are some spiritual truths that just get opened up. It's like the floodgates open up. When you do them with, to other people, it will open up your heart to really receive it from God. Just like me doing it with Charlie suddenly opened up my heart. This is how God is to us in a whole new way that I could experience it's the same thing with you and me. If you will go home and begin to speak like this to others intentionally, to your kids, to your spouse, to people at work, to people in your family, it will open up your heart to receive that same grace from God for you. And some of you here today actually need to repent because all you do is complain and call out the negative stuff in the people around you. And usually when we do this, it's to the people we're supposed to love the most. Isn't it true? We don't usually go to work and just berate the people that we're at work with all the time, be negative with them. But then we go home to the person we, we made a promise to till death do us part, and we do it to them. And to the kids that we're supposed to love so much, we do it to them. And all we ever do is just talk to them about all the things we don't like about what they do. And at a certain point, first of all, we have to recognize it doesn't work. All those years and years and years of nagging, some of you women, has your husband become a perfect man yet? And husbands who do it the other way, has your wife become perfect through you pointing out all the bad stuff? She hasn't got any better, has she? Because nagging doesn't work. Amen. It doesn't work. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm not going to point out who said that. <laughs> you got to be careful with you. Amen, guys. Just be careful. 
just, so another point, right? You say to me, but uh, objection, but, but they are doing stuff wrong. And the thing is, this is where you say, but how am I supposed to call it anything good if they don't do anything good? Uh, th- you know what you got to do? You got, oh, that's, I know that some of you are thinking, right? I want you to think of Jesus and get along with Jesus. And I want you to find out what he would say, because when he found Gideon in the wine press, he could see a mighty man of valor there. What does he see in your loved ones? What does he see in each of your kids? My wife and I actually did this together for our kids this morning. We're going to give them uh, some of these words today when we open up our presents. But you do that for your spouse and you pray, Lord, what are the promises? He speaks in faith. He sees a mighty man of valor where nobody else sees it. What are the things he sees in your spouse and in your kids that nobody else can see yet, but he wants you to begin to call it out of them? It's going to change your marriage. It'll change your family. It'll just change the way you even feel about them when you begin to pray in faith like that. So a couple of ideas there. First of all, let's just do a fast from nagging and being negative this Christmas. And let's just start. For some of you, let's just call it a week-long fast. But let's try and extend it to January and then indefinitely after that, all right? But let's try. Let's give God one week to say, to find nothing, to only encourage and to always encourage. And then lastly, pick one or two people close to you this Christmas. Listen in prayer for each one and ask God to show you something good in them that he wants to start calling out of them. What a fun thing to pray about. I'll tell you that right now. What a fun thing to pray about. Why don't you bow your heads with me and close your eyes and the worship team is going to come back out here again and we get to touch a little piece of heaven once more. Lord Jesus, thank you for seeing things in us that nobody else sees. Thank you for sending your spirit to call out in us things that it just seems, no, that couldn't be us, but you call them out. Teach us to do this with others. Oh, Lord, teach us to do this in our marriages. Teach us to do this with our kids and with our families. Help us to speak to the people we love the way you speak to us and open up our hearts as we do to receiving that same affirmation from your spirit. And bless us at our family gatherings these next few days, Lord Jesus. Give us opportunities to speak life into people. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Southland Church. For more information or to download this and many other messages, please visit us at myselfland.com.